and welcome to Ending Physician Overwhelm. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Mello. I'm a family and obesity medicine physician, as well as a certified life coach for physicians. In this podcast, we talk about how the learned habits of people-pleasing, perfectionism, and a lack of boundaries show up in our lives and how they contribute to burnout, exhaustion, and overwhelm. The healthcare system is broken, my friends, but let's not wait for it to be fixed in order to feel better. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's episode. Thank you, as always, for joining me. It continues to feel like an incredible gift that I get to be here sharing with you, my podcast listeners. So thank you for your attention. Thank you for sharing these episodes with others. Today, what we're going to be talking about is something I've been reflecting on for a while, which is grieving what we thought would have happened, what should have happened with our medical careers. And this topic came to mind because I've had several conversations, both with individuals as well as in groups, of this feeling of deep sadness and grief about what we thought our careers in medicine would be. So certainly there are many other circumstances within medicine that might lead us to grief, right? Losing patients, those kinds of things. But we're really focusing today on, again, what we thought would happen when we became physicians, how we imagined that would be, the care that we would imagine that we would be providing to patients, you know, the impact that we thought we would be having, and the reality of whatever it is that we have now. In preparing for a recent talk I gave, it occurred to me that I actually started medical school 20 years ago. And that that feels very unreal to say. Definitely had a few more great bears pop out in the last year. But it struck me that the person that I am today is so different from the person who, you know, first sat in the lecture hall listening. That version of me was so excited to get started and so excited to, you know, have the impact that I imagine I would have. I was very young. I had come right through, you know, high school to college to medical school. I had in my head, you know, very naively, and it's painful to say out loud, this idea that if patients only knew, if they only understood you know, disease process and, and what to do, how to take their medications properly, how to adjust their diet and their lifestyle. If they only knew, then it would be very easy, right? And they would get better. Of course, it, it feels ridiculous to say those words out loud because there's so many other factors at play. And of course, I was in my hubris, right, making a lot of assessments that people just didn't know what to do. And, you know, imagine that I would be the one to be able to communicate with them. But putting that aside, right, looking at who we were, we started this journey, however long ago, what it is that we thought we would be doing, the impact again that we thought we would have, what was it that really lit you up, that really had you excited? And how does that compare to your experience of practicing medicine now? For so many of us, there is an important disconnect between what we thought we would be doing 
and what actually happens, right? I don't think any of us imagined the administrative burdens or the staffing shortages or, you know, those very real challenge of trying to help somebody who's been suffering for a very long time in a 15-minute visit. There are so many things that go into this. And I don't think that we talk a lot about the grief that we experience. And I think for a lot of us, the grief is sitting underneath other emotions. It might be sitting underneath anger or a more, you know, generic kind of sadness that we feel. It might be sitting underneath a sense of futility that nothing we do matters, right? And, and we might wonder, why is that so painful? And often it's because there's this layer of grief underneath and often we are not acknowledging that. It's heavy to think about this, but I think that if we dig in a little bit and we start to understand that we have a very real human emotion here that is coloring our other emotions and often getting suppressed, there is an opportunity to relieve the heaviness, to come into acceptance of what is happening without, without condoning the systems as it is, right? There's a huge difference there because if we are condoning, if we are just passively accepting everything as it is and saying that's okay, there, there's a lack of impact there. there. There is a futility there, right? It can feel like nothing that we do matters. And that's different from accepting that what I wanted is different. What I, the way that I wanted to take care of patients is different than the reality of what I've got in my current working role, right? Perhaps I thought that I would have more flexibility to decide you know, which patients I see, how long I see them for, you know, what resources I have to share with them. And the reality is, is that this is what I've got. I've got four patients to see every hour. I've got a lack of, you know, support staff because of staffing shortages that have been, you know, worsened by the pandemic. I thought that I would have access to certain specialists or medications or other treatments, right? And functionally speaking, I don't. Maybe that's an insurance issue. You know, perhaps you're working in FQHC and, and practically speaking, you can't get your patients in to see specialists until you're on your own. When we accept those circumstances, it doesn't mean that we think that it's right. It doesn't mean that we, that we don't really need more support or help. It just means that we, we acknowledge that this is the situation and our approach to it needs to match what is available rather than spending a lot of energy being very mad about it and often with this layer of grief underneath. I'd like to have us think about this in the context of your own life. And I want you to consider some of the other emotions that might be going along that there might be grief sitting underneath. So imagine that you are in a meeting and Someone shares that some new policy that is going to impact you and your patient care, and you immediately feel very upset about it. Perhaps they are saying, well, you're no longer going to, you know, have a medical assistant with you at all. We've decided that because there's been staffing shortages that we're going to have one medical assistant working for every three physicians. So let's just, let's just throw that out there as a scenario. 
you might suddenly feel enraged, right? Really angry. Or you might feel, again, in a sort of a sense of futility, like, oh, am I supposed to, am I supposed to get anything done? But think for yourself for a moment also, again, is there grief underneath that? Isn't that I know that this is going to limit further my ability to care for patients because I'm, you know, down another resource? Is it that perhaps you've had a close relationship with a medical assistant and you put a lot of work into helping to create a really functional team and now that's being taken away, right? There may be a lot of different elements of grief that are in there. And that's probably not true of all situations, right, where we're angry. But I think it's important that we try and look into that a little bit and acknowledge if that might be true. Because if we're feeling some grief, if that is underlying these other emotions, when we can lean into understanding that, right, and treating ourselves with self-compassion, we are better able to process that emotion and then decide what we'd like to do from a really clean place. And that is really important, right? Because when we are making decisions, from a place of anger and, you know, suppressing our emotions further and feeling guilty for having frustration or resentment, we are not going to make the best decisions for ourselves. We are not going to advocate for ourselves in an effective way. I think many of us know the experience. Perhaps many of you have also gotten in trouble or, you know, you've had bad feedback about you being a negative person, right? Because in our emotions, we don't make good choices. We don't communicate well, right? It just doesn't go well. That is just a truth of human emotions that we have talked about many times. But if I recognize that there is a part of me that is grieving, and I recognize that that is emotion of sadness, first I can lean into self-compassion. I can acknowledge and I can put my hand on my heart, as Kristen Nassif advises us to do, an expert on self-compassion based out of Texas. I can say, it makes sense that I feel grief or sadness here. I have expected to be able to have more support for taking care of patients. And the work that I do is difficult. It is challenging. Anybody might feel the same way that I do. And it's a common humanity piece. It's okay for me to feel and slay, right? That is a very brief practice. But when we can acknowledge that feeling, especially feeling of sadness or grief, we allow it to be there. We don't try and ignore it. We don't try and suppress it and shut it down. It's like the emotion can flow through us instead of sitting and festering inside of us. And that is a really important difference because so many emotions have been shoved and packed down into us and might come exploding out at other moments. We know how that goes. After we have acknowledged and honored that feeling, right, with self-compassion, then we are able often to be in a place of calm, a place of understanding that we are dealing with a difficult emotion, and then we can better make a plan right? When I can understand that there might be grief or sadness underlying my anger reaction, underlying my sense of futility or frustration or resentment, then I'm much better able to soothe myself in the moment. Again, not necessarily condoning 
whatever has been going on, but to take care of myself, to tune into myself, treat my own emotions as important, and then be able to make a decision from a clean place, right? To be able to decide, okay, I recognize that I have some feelings about this. I can take care of myself and my feelings without exploding onto other people. What is the response that I'm going to have? How am I going to communicate that to people? How am I going to make decisions for myself? How am I going to advocate for myself, for my patients in this? It becomes much, much more effective when we can acknowledge and take care of our emotions before we act. I'm going to keep our conversation here brief because I think that what I'd like for you to do is really to consider where grief might be showing up for you. This might be showing up at work, as I've given you some examples. It might be showing up in your parenting, right? Because you may have thought, right, that you would show up as this kind of parent or had this kind of child or, you know, whatever, whatever that experience was that you expected of parenting. And you now find it to be different, but there's grief underlying some of your interactions, right? There's grief underlying some of your emotional responses, and we can take care of that. This might be showing up in romantic partnerships, in friendships that have changed over time, in family relationships, right? There are lots of places where grief might be hiding just below the surface. And if we can acknowledge that, if we can acknowledge that we thought that things would be different, and maybe we have a surface emotion that, again, might be anger, frustration, resentment, if we can tie it with the grief underneath and we can tend to the grief underneath, we can often improve all of that emotional overlay. It's okay to be sad and to grieve things that you wanted that didn't happen. It's okay, just the same way that it's okay to grieve a loss, right? It's okay to grieve the loss of a loved one. And grief takes how long it takes, right? How often have we seen a patient who is grieving the loss of a spouse or someone else that they were close to? And it doesn't just go away completely, right? It comes in waves. It comes, at, you know, at times that we don't expect it. That's okay. That's normal. We can tend to ourselves in moments of grief right? We can take a breath. We can put our hands on our heart. We can even, you know, create a list of ways that we tend to ourselves when we're having an emotion such as grief or sadness. That's something that I recommend to people that you, you have kind of a, like, we'll call it a playlist for lack of a better word. It could actually be a literal music playlist, but it might also just be a list of things that you do when you're feeling angry, sad, frustrated, you know, anxious, worried, you might have a little list on your phone that you can just pull out. Okay, I am really irritated right now. I'm going to pull out my irritable list, right? And I've got four things that I can do. I can go for a walk, I can call a friend. I can do something probably active to move my body, right? I don't have to think about it because I'm not thinking very well when I'm up in my feelings. We can do the same with grief and sadness. All right, I said I was going to cut it short and I didn't, but now I'm going to. My friends, thank you for listening. 
Thank you for considering where grief might be influencing the emotions that you have and taking the opportunity to recognize what might be going on and to walk through it. I can't say enough the impact of becoming more aware of and thoughtful related to your emotions, learning how to tend to yourself in that way. It's really the starting point for so much progress and change. When we can understand our emotions and our responses and our underlying thoughts, we get to have so much more flexibility to be able to change things for ourselves. It's really the foundation of most forms of coaching, although not all. And I really find it quite powerful in my own life and in the lives of the people that I work with. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thank you for sharing this episode with a friend. And until next week, take care. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. To learn more about my coaching programs, head to www.healthierforgood.com. And if you love this podcast, please drop us a review on iTunes or support the show by clicking the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.